The Daily Perspective is number 13 in Feedspot's top 25 Christian men's podcast, but I'd like to get to number one. So here's what I need you to do. Subscribe on your favorite streaming platforms, then share it with everyone that you know. I'd appreciate that. Now let's get down to business. Here we go. I was born for his service. He filled me with purpose. Take your time while you worship him. I'm unplugged from the matrix. Believe without seeing, I'm plugged into the matrix. The daily perspective. Welcome to the show that gives it to you and no fluff, real Christianity and all that good stuff. Welcome to the Daily Perspective, and I'm your host, Mr. Daily. And uh, today we are doing something a little different. We've got an interview today. I'm going to be talking to Izzy Baker. We're going to be talking about his podcast. But before we get into that, I want to give a shout out to everyone that's watching on YouTube. Shout out to the people that listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Tune in wherever you listen from. We appreciate you. If you haven't subscribed yet, go to your favorite streaming platform and hit that subscribe button. Subscribe and like on YouTube as well. Make sure you hit the notification bell so you uh, get notified every time we post. So let me introduce, actually, let me hand it over to my guest and let him introduce himself. So, Izzy, let the people know who you are. Hey everybody, my name is Izzy Baker. I am from St. Louis, Missouri, in the United States. I currently live in Houston, Texas. I am a writer, creative director, low-key, fake comedian, you know, so many different things I can do, but right now, mainly, I am a podcast host and the host of PSA Podcast, a mental health podcast. I like to say it's the other side of mental health. And it is for mental health conscious millennials with unpopular opinions. Cool. So, first question for me, really. How did you get into this? All right. So, I remember it was around 2017. I graduated high school. High school. I graduated college fall 16. Graduated college fall 16. And I had a job, but it, I ended up, I was about to get fired anyway, so I quit. But, uh, you know, post-grad depression, all that good stuff kind of took place. So, you know, that's what that was. And so I remember I was substitute teaching at the time. My dad had called me one day I was at work. So after I got off work, he was like, you know, you super creative. You should create something like a blog or something. So I originally came up with the name PSA, which is Prodigy Supportive Attestation, which is a double meaning. So Prodigy is the name of the brand me and my father own. Sportive is the double meaning, light or playful. And then attestations is something delivered as true or new. So if you put it all together, you could say prodigy, light truth, light news, funny news, funny truth, whatever. As long as, you know, it's kind of like something that's true, but being delivered in a way that, you know. So it was a blog at first where I was kind of take the stuff that happened on in the, in the world and I would just like make jokes about it you know yeah. just kind of bring light to the situation make jokes but I couldn't really keep up with it and so I took time out and I was okay I was praying I was thinking God like what can I do what can I do because I felt like the name was too creative not to be doing something with it so I took a break sometimes we don't know to do that sometimes we want to keep trying to find something sometimes you actually just need to just stay back from it so around August For I real. from it and I remember I was supposed to go out with some friends one night. This was maybe early 2018 or late 2019, and I didn't go. 
and I was watching this lady and she was like, God is gonna drop the idea today. So I was laying in the bed and the idea just started download. And so when I decided I was hearing between YouTube and podcasts, but then I ended up hearing podcasts, which two things. I always wanted to do a YouTube channel, but this was before I lost weight and I'm still like toning up and stuff now. So I didn't want to, I didn't really like one, like how I was looking on camera. So, and I was like, podcast? I don't, I don't even like podcasts. So, I listened to them, I should say. So I ended up, it was one I listened to the whole summer, not even on purpose, before I even knew I was going to do a podcast, which I know was a divine setup. And then when I decided the podcast, I said, okay, cool. So then I took about two to three weeks to just study podcasts, like the top podcasts in these categories, why they number one, and dropped the first episode February of 2018, and season five comes back March 18th. Right. Right. So there's that you you dropped a few things in that whole intro right there that I want to touch on. First one, first thing you said was postgraduate depression. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to front. I don't even know what the definition of postgraduate depression is. So what is postgraduate depression? How do you how do you know? Is it something that everyone goes through and we just don't know about it? So a lot of people go through it. Like I said, I don't know how it is. Because you're in the UK, right? Yeah. So I don't know how it is there. But in the United States, it's something that's actually very popular. Most people, a lot of people do go through it. Not everybody, but it's kind of that what, what now? Because it's like we did all this school, celebrated all this, and it's like now what? Because it's so hard and so competitive to, and it's so difficult to get a job unless you're trying to be a doctor, a lawyer, uh, or a teacher. You know, it, it's like, what now? So for me, I was originally going to school with the intent of being a lawyer, which was something that I really didn't want to do, but I was told I'd be good at it. And I was I've had told that experience. That, and what happened was, I had went to visit the school I went to, Texas Southern University, HBCU in Houston, Texas. Where I live in Houston now. And I had went to visit the school, and they was we were trying to figure out, me and my dad was like, well, you want to be a lawyer? So we asked the lawyer, what, what would be his best thing to major in? He said English, because that's going to be the most beneficial. It would be helpful with critical analysis. It'll help you get through law school. And it was like, worst case, if I don't go to be a lawyer, I can always teach. And so that's kind of how that happened. I was always good at English. Though. I was in, I was an AP. I was always been a writer my whole life. Always the right yeah. fun, creative stories. And then my junior senior year, I was in AP English, so of high school. So it kind of just aligned, which is funny with that even because in high school I didn't sign up for AP English. My teacher signed me up for AP English and said, you know, I think you can do it. I really would like want you to. If you don't want to, it's okay. But I really think you should. And, you know, not even realizing all of what's happening. You know, it was, again, another yeah. setup. So, yeah. Okay, okay. So, if I relate to that, I think in the UK, definitely, we there are a number of people that go through that situation where they've been to school, they finished, they graduated, can't get a job. And they're like, well, what do I do now? Right. It was my situation was a bit weird because I went, I I finished, I got a job before I finished, so I didn't really have that lull. I didn't have that downtime. But where I went to was away from home. It was the first time I'd ever left home. 
So where I went, I, it's not like I, most people leave home and go to school. Mm-hmm. And then it's different because they get into an environment where they meet people and they make friends and, and you know, you kind of, you adjust together. I moved to a whole new town as a graduate, mm-hmm. starting a job, not knowing anyone in there, in, in that town, being the only black person on my graduate program in an organization full of white people. So again, just feeling like a needle in a haystack sort of thing. I'm the odd one out. So it hit me different. The, the, the depression and because I don't, I don't know whether to call it depression, but the, the, the feeling, the mental health issue that arose from that was this sense of isolation. This right. feeling of just being, well, what do I do now? Because I'm out here by myself. I ain't got no one around me. All my friends, all my, my family are a hundred and something miles away. And right. I can see them on the weekend, but that's going to get costly to be driving back home every weekend. What mm. do I do? There ain't no right. black people around me. I'm unusual, <laughs> an unusual setting. I'm afraid because I'll explain that as well. So moving there, I got, I got, so in the UK, we got this far, I think they call them a far, is it far? Yeah, far, far right political party called the BNP, the British National Party, which is okay. a racist organization. Right. And the first day I move into my new apartment, I get their leaflets through my door. So I'm like, oh, snap. I moved into a racist environment too. So all of that compounded just kind of made me feel, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, why why am I here? Yeah. So so I can relate to that kind of feeling that a lot of people felt when they finish and where you end up, it's kind of just being in no man's land. Mm -hmm. It's that That kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that you said was you talked about not wanting to do the podcast because I mean sorry not wanting to do YouTube because you weren't feeling how you were looking at the time. Again, I think that's something. It took me ages to put myself, and this is funny because I used to be on stage rapping and stuff like that, but putting myself on YouTube or something that was something I wanted to do ten years ago, but I couldn't bring myself to do it just because I was conscious of people looking at me right which is weird because i've been on stage in front of thousands of people before but i was afraid this felt far more sort of intimate so it just made me not want to do it so i could again i could relate to what you were saying did that contribute to that mental health i think for the most part with me as far as the whole not wanting to be on camera thing i think that was more so just because it was like you know mm, I think it was more so I just didn't like my body at the time and I didn't like how I looked off camera and part of it was kind of fear of what other people were thinking because honestly when I started my podcast I was anonymous the first 10 episodes like I just I was trying to be like if you listen to the first episode not too many people catch it the very first episode I said what's up is this is prodigy I didn't even say who I was because I wanted it to be like kind of like I was going from the angle of like the shade room or something where it was like you don't know who's who's doing it. It's just you know it's somebody. 
And, you know, granted, I didn't have a following big enough for that. No way. So it would have never worked. But first season was 15 episodes. And that see, and then that one was episode 10. So I didn't drop who I was to almost end. And I would only let like close people or people who I felt like would be supportive listen to it. And then just kind of like, you know, that way. But I think it wasn't post-grad for me because at that by that point, I had a job and was making money. So I was cool by then. But uh, it was also just how I felt to view myself, I should say. I'll say that. Right. Right. So l- let's fast forward a bit. You're doing this podcast now. It's about men's men. It's about mental health because it's not specifically men's. But in today's society... What would you say is the biggest mental health issue that we have out there? I would pro- I would think maybe anxiety. I would say anxiety. That's what I, I would think because a lot of people are just anxious. You don't know what to expect, what's coming next. You know, it seems like every day, you know, which is <clears throat> sign of the time. But uh, you don't know. It's like you don't know what to, what, what to expect. For me, I don't deal with anxiety like that anymore. But I could see people being like just, what's going to happen today? You know, we had the COVID and we had, you know, the police brutalities over here, you know, in the United States. And that keeps happening. It's just, it's like, what what next? You know, because I don't like, do you, have you ever heard of Hip Hop Harry? You've seen that meme that's going around with the big yellow bear dancing. It was like, who's next? It's no, I ain't like, seen that. It's kind of like that. It's like, who's next? What's next? You know, I don't know. So it's just like people are sitting on edge. Here's what they see. So, that's interesting because, so personally, I suffered and I suffered from anxiety. Definitely. I didn't recognize it till last year. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I was, you know, they, I'm a father, I'm a husband. My job was, hey, knuckle down and get this done. Mm-hmm. Put your head down and keep keep moving. You haven't got time to be sick. You haven't got time to be ill. You haven't right. got time to be stressed out. You haven't got time to, you got to provide, you got to do what you got to do. So I never acknowledged the fact that I had this anxiety because it, if I did, it meant I had to slow down, mm-hmm. but I had to, because it was, I started having panic attacks as well. Right. So something had to give. Again, it's, I think that was divine intervention. I think that was God stepping in and saying, oh, you're going to recognize that there's something that you need to deal with here. And it, it, if, you, if you weren't going to do it, if you weren't going to slow down to, to recognize it, then I'm, I'm going to slow you down so you have to recognize it. So yeah, I, I definitely think that was, but I, I completely agree with you that I think anxiety is the biggest thing right now. That, and I think it's, and tell me if you agree with this and give me your opinion, but do you feel that black men suffer from more anxiety taking into account the things like police brutality, discrimination at work, just that hate, that being stereotyped as thugs and whatever, just when you're walking down the street? I know it's the same in the, in the US as it is in the UK as a black man. We, you... I guess you guys have got it worse because you can get shot by the cops and stuff. And, you know, we, we just get choked out, put knees in our back. Well, that can still kill you. But police brutality is police brutality. But do you think that for black men, our anxiety levels are higher than everyone else's? 
It's funny that you asked me that because I, in 2016, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. The general, I think, anxiety and then severe depression. So I went to a therapist then. I actually go back to a therapist now, not because I was going through a crisis, but it was funny because I was life has been good for the most part. And then I had right after something like I started going to a therapist, stuff started happening. So I feel like God kind of was like, I need you to go back to a therapist because, you know, at first I was like, why do I need to go back? Because I'm like, I'm good for the most part. But fun fact, I am not a licensed professional, but I have had a licensed professional on my show who have said that they have a therapist. And one of them, shout out to Candace Pittner, she said, if your therapist don't have a therapist, then they don't need to be your therapist. So I feel like if these therapists have a therapist, and although I'm not certified or, ha- or a professional, I still have a mental health-based podcast, I should get one too again. Now, because I am a teacher, I work in a school, so I get the free service, and I'm taking advantage of it. And I have a man, I'm 26, he's 35, I think, and he made a statement our last session. He said, I say all that to say this. He said he actually believes that men are more sensitive than women. They just hide it better, and they just try to put up this tough exterior. And then ever since then, I was like, could be. No, that's real talk. I agree with that. I agree with that statement. One of the things, so I'm a big, and we, we've talked about this on Clubhouse and, and stuff, but I'm a big advocate of men's mental health because... I think a lot of men are not living their best lives because they're trying to live up to this macho stereotype that Hollywood, family, culture, whatever has created. And we feel we've got to, we've got to fall into that box. Everybody has got to be this macho guy with that bravado that mean that nothing gets to you you don't feel pain you can take you can take hit after hit after hit but the reality of it is true true strength comes from showing weakness true strength comes from showing vulnerability because if you can't process those basic emotions you're just a time bomb waiting to explode right and I had to learn that the hard way. I had to, I had to almost have my wife tell me that, look, we're going we're gonna to have to go our separate ways because you don't know how to communicate. You don't show no emotion. You, you, just, you just bottle everything in and you don't let anyone else in. And I know you're in pain, but you put up this wall to make it look like you're not in pain. And then once we had that conversation and she started to get me to let my, let my walls down, man, it was the most freeing experience. And that's what a lot of men for me are missing out on the freedom to be, just be you. No shame in it. There's no shame in, in, in crying. I think, hope I get his name, get his name right. But there's a guy I follow on Instagram, uh, Jason Wilson. I can't remember his real man. Is, it, is, is his book called Real Men Cry or something? I'll, I'll get the name of the book. I'll put it, I'll put it in the details. But this is a guy that teaches martial arts, has lived a very masculine life as you would define it. But Again, he came to the same conclusion. 
without letting his walls down and, and dealing with those emotions, he was just a time bomb. And young men are just, especially young black men with all the pressure on them, are just time bombs waiting to go off. And that's why we keep getting young men that get into trouble and get into all kinds of stuff because mm-hmm. they're not dealing with the stuff that, that's in, inside. Right. Definitely. So, I, I agree. So hopefully, you know, spaces like this, you know, the podcast, and like I said, people do them at church and oh, churches are starting to do it because I know my church does it, but like, you know, what about just, you know, Facebook groups? Hey, men, let's meet up. See how you're doing. You know, let's, Let's call each other and just see how we're doing. You know what I'm saying? Let's not take I'm good as an excuse when we know something else is going on. You know, you know, we have to open the door for those conversations. But I think some of us have maybe dealt with people throwing things up in our faces as a young, at a young age or, you know, feeling like they have to be the, the, you know, man of the house if they grew up in a house with only women, you know, so that's the unfortunate you know, on the unfortunate, just just unfortunate parts of life that we just we just get put in sometimes. So, what would you say? Because how many seasons seasons have you done now? I've done four hundred and ten episodes. Four seasons. <laughs> you you broke that. You broke the back of that. <laughs> so, uh, so out of those four seasons, what would you say is your favorite episode that you've done? Hmm funny because i did a top 10 a top five countdown for my 100th episode special that's on youtube and of course on all other streaming platforms i was i had to do a visual for the 100th episode but i would have to say my favorite episode will have to be from season four and i would have to say shaking the room and it's based off the pop smoke song shake the room Right. And, you know, I like it because some people on this earth are just that, room shaking. And not necessarily coming there, shooting up the place or swinging on people, which they do that too. But sometimes they come in and it's just like the attention is on them, whether it be because of their personality or because of the things they say or because of the way they dress. You know what I'm saying? And I like yeah. to let know when I come in. I mean, for good and bad reasons. <laughs> At times in my life. I'm not going to lie. But I've come in, it's just like the energy shifts. It's like, I'm noticeable. You can't. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I like that one. I didn't. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Shaking the room. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to definitely check that out. I think one of the things that I noticed on your Instagram was just the the ways that you kind of frame your podcast like that example right there it was inspired by the pop smoke song now that's not you wouldn't typically relate that to a mental health topic because people would just be like oh you know i'm just it's got to be so clear people expect something so clinical but mm. you kind of coming at it from a different angle you're taking everyday things and things that people listen to or experience on a on a regular basis and using them to frame the conversation where did that inspiration to do things that way come from jesus i know but seriously i had a friend and we was talking about this the other night he was just like a lot of stuff you have you can't teach that i said you can't you know i tell people all the time if you look at my dvr i live by myself 
and they always and I would say if you look at my DVR, you would think a, a whole family lives here because I'm interested in so many different things, and I've always been that way. And my mind is definitely over all over the place. It's scatterbrain, but it's a good scatterbrain. You know, I, I've always been that way, and you know. It, it, of course, with that, it, it has had its moments, which is why I feel like I've had the mental health issues that I had. But you know, it's it's it's, it's a good it's a good balance. I feel like, and I like it. So I, I just it just it is what it is. Like I'll be having because people always ask, you know, where do you get your episodes ideas from? It'll be I might be watching a TV show and it might be a scenario with a group of friends, and I'm like, that'll be a good topic. Or I'll reminisce on something that happened to me. Or oh, I'll see something on Instagram. Or I've been in a podcast interview and got an inspirational episode from that. You know, it's just, I could be playing a video game, a scenario come up. Like, it's just, that's why I love creativity. Because when you're truly a creative person, you can get inspiration from literally everything. And for me, I kind of did like how rappers did, excuse me, after season four ended, December 3rd. My dad was like, you know, I think you should take like a long break, like come back in like March. So in that break, I I'm doing a podcast course still that's helping me to you know grow, get my marketing and grow it, and it's been working so far. And with that, I allow life to life, and I've been going through some stuff, you know, these last few months, and it was it was hard at the time, but I'm thankful because it gave me so many topics. So, you know, it was it was needed. But, yeah, it's just everything. I don't like I like giving ideas, you know, where, like you said, it looked like I'm going at it from this angle, but I'm going to hit it with a totally come from somewhere else. I like the plot. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you hit on something that was, again, super interesting for me. Being like you, I'm a creative. We talked about this as well. I've got, obviously, The Daily Perspective is one of one podcast of two at the moment. We The, the whole thing with The Daily Perspective Network is, is that I'm trying to grow a media company from, from the ground up. So there are dreams and visions for other shows, other podcasts, documentaries, short TV type shows, food shows, and stuff like that. There's so much stuff going around in my head. And what I've what I've found with speaking and engaging, being a creative and then engaging with other creatives, is that a lot of us have experienced mental health issues. I've always put it down to maybe it's because we live in our heads a lot because we are so idea orientated. And then if things aren't happening as fast as we want them to, we become frustrated, we become anxious and Mm -hmm. all of these other things. Do you think that that, do you think the creatives are more prone to mental health issues? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if, like you said, we live in our heads and we're very, like like I said, it's, it's a blessing and a curse because if it's not controlled, because we can have these ideas and create these stories and all these different things, but then we'll be prone to overthink and maybe dwelling on a situation we shouldn't. You know, for me, I got it real bad where I'll think about something I did when I was seven. It sounds stupid. Seven, eight years old and like get the anxiety from that situation. I love again. I'm like, why are you? That's, that's like, that's almost 20 years ago, you know, and not holding a grudge or anything, but more so just like embarrassed, feeling that embarrassment again. 
And it's like, what yeah. are you doing? You know? And so I definitely agree with that. It's just that we live in our heads and, you know, it, living in your head can be a good thing or a bad thing. You know, it, it just depends. So, Yeah, I think I have encounters I have where people talk to me a certain way. And for the next three, four hours, I'm replaying that interaction and just the different ways I could have responded. I'm getting mad at myself because I'm like, oh, why didn't I say this to this dude, right? Wanted to drive back and <laughs> try and start the interaction again. So I could definitely relate to the, to the living in your head and overthinking everything because I definitely right. think that 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 is some, something that I do. I guess that's, that is my create creative side taking control, the creative brain just doing its thing. So you said season five is going to start in March. So how do you do your thing? Do you, are you a batch recorder? Do you wait and just do them on a weekly basis? See, I'm a weekly I'm a weekly recorder. I like to just, I think if I have to think about all, all everything and just record like 10 in a row, I would, it would lose that. It lose that natural feel. Right. I want it to feel organic. Right. So, but, but what's your process? Are you a batch recorder? Do you just go with the organic every week and record? No. So I'm more so like, Again, kind of all over the place. Like sometimes it has been days where, which I hate and I don't like doing it, where I recorded the same the day before and edited the same day and then edited the night and then, yeah, like that. And there's been times where I have recorded with two different guests, two episodes in a day. And then, okay, this one is for the week after next and this will be the week after that. You know, so it really just depends. I can't really do batch like that. I'm not, if I did do batch, it's because of timing with, with a guest. That's the only reason. So, but just me, like, I got some free time. I could do my episode now. No, not really. Because I just, I don't like forcing it. And then I feel like if I force it, it loses the me in it. It's more so will be too, to me, when I have done that, the episode is too informative. And I, and I want it to be informative, but I still want that natural, you know, charismatic clowning, laughing grinning cheese and you know random story popping my head about something that happened to me the other day or how somebody had me messed up at the gas station so i forget stuff like that trying if i yeah, try to like do it in bulk okay okay i get that i get that i think yeah so do you do more guest episodes or do you do quite a few solo episodes I'm about half and half. Some people had even stated that they notice when I'm by myself, I'm more like I, somebody say like free. Like I'm like, I guess. Honestly, I like doing it better by myself because I'm not, you know, dwelling on a force to do it. Like how to guess, you know, because it's like with the guest, it's like we have a topic and we're dissecting it together. And it's something I know that you can talk about while at the same time, it's still an interview for you, too. So it's kind of like a, it's like both at the same time. Okay. Yeah. I get that. I mean, I think interviews for me, you, whilst they are fun, they can feel, you can feel a bit more pressure in an mm -hmm. interview situation. 
<laughs> don't help people like us to get anxiety and right. <laughs> all of that stuff. You start thinking, oh my gosh, what's going? What am I going to say next? What, 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 what am I going to do? How do I move it into the next bit? So yeah, okay. For I enjoy doing the solo thing, kind of similar to you. It's kind of it is kind of free because I like telling people random stories. I mean, I did an episode a couple of weeks back called uh, "To All the Girls I Loved Before." And I got to reminisce on all the girls that I've dated and tell the stories about how that came about and why it wasn't really love. It was just infatuation and all of that stuff. So, oh, whilst we on this, there was something that I said to a friend recently. So I'm going to take get your take on this. Okay. Do you feel that people recognize that children are just as prone to mental health issues as we are as adults do you think people are recognized that children are more prone but just as prone i think now they are but at first for long and even now i would still say that's a little debatable but not really because it's too many kids because we some adults especially us we tend to think you know oh you ain't got no bills to pay Oh, you you know, what you depressed for me, I had more of my stuff as a kid than I ever did as an adult. You know, when I got that when I went through the therapist first time in twenty sixteen and I was twenty two. And honestly, I can tell you I can honestly would be like twenty three, twenty four, twenty five were like some of the best years of my life. And it was just I was you know, I used to wake up just in a good mood. And it would be like you know, which I remember waking up days as anxious, as nervous, like what's going to happen next. So, you know, it's, it's just, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I was talking to, so I did an, again on a, on a previous episode, not of the Daily Perspective, but of the other podcast, the Imperfectly Human podcast. I talked about just my experiences growing up and how I felt like my mom, if my mom listens to this one, she's going to be like, why is he talking about this thing again? But <laughs> I said to her, I felt like, I talked about how I felt like the black sheep of the family. And I didn't deal with that till late 20s, late 20s, early 30s. That's a long time to carry that feeling because that feeling didn't start at that age. That feeling started way before that. And it was what made me realize that, wait, we as children, as children, we are stressed out. We stress about now stress is relative just because to us as adults, that stuff sounds trivial now. But to a child, you know, going to school in going to school. So we, we've got these things called non-uniform days in, in, in the UK where you get to wear your own clothes to school. Kids get anxious about what they're going to wear to school on that day. Because mm-hmm. for the rest of the year, they it's everybody dresses the same. There's no pressure that you don't have to. No one's going to be looking at how 
whether you got Jordans on or whether, you, you know, what you what jeans you got on or whether nobody cares because everybody is rocking the same stuff. Right. But as soon as that day comes, that is a that triggers anxiety in a lot a lot of children. Children get stressed out and anxious about tests and all of these little things. But to us, they sound trivial because we're saying, well, you know, like you said, you don't pay no bills. You don't do this. You don't do that. So what, why are you, what are you stressed for? Right. So it made me realize that mental health issues start at a far younger age. And all we do, because we're not, we don't get the children or we, because as parents, I think we can help our children process these by right. having regular conversations with them and talking with them and helping them, getting them to articulate how they're feeling and helping them process those feelings. But if we don't, these feelings just com- compounded constantly and to the point where they reach adulthood and then they get all the stresses of adulthood building on stuff that they never dealt with. You know, it's funny because that was how it was for me. Now, you know, and, and you said your mom would be like, why are you talking about this? But, you know, unfortunately, they, they're going to, they feel a way, but in the same breath, it still needs to be a conversation. So my dad is. Oh, we don't talk to him. Me and my mom don't talk to, we talked it through. I mean, we talked it through on, uh, earlier this week as well, but yeah. <laughs> so my dad is a guidance counselor. My mom is both in education. And so basically, I think my stuff started around eight or nine when my parents got a divorce. Now, right. Although I got over the divorce, I still feel like they kind of opened the door. So, you know, I, I and I and I don't know how I forgot to leave out that I actually battled with suicidal ideation. So I used to, you know, and, and, and most people, and it's the same joke I use every time, but most people think it's saying, you suicide is like, oh, let me go jump off a cliff. No, not necessarily. Sometimes it's, it's just, I don't want to be here. You know, I'd be better off away. And and in, even times it wasn't even always suicidal thoughts. It would just be like, maybe I should just go and just see where I end up. Never come back. Yeah. And so basically, I remember feeling that way a lot. And I remember one day I would just kind of, just see, like, you know, you test the water, say something to see where people's head is at. And I remember I said something to my mom about suicide. I don't think I said it about me. I just, I don't know how it came up. And she, her response was, you know, suicide is selfish. People that do that, that is very selfish. And I just said, mm, okay, so I know I can't talk to you. And then I remember I went to my dad one time. It was something that happened. And at that time, I didn't know how to say I was anxious. So I would say I'm nervous. So I remember I had told him something. I'm like, yeah. And I, I was just nervous. What were you nervous about? And I was just like, okay, never mind. So I think when we say talking to our kids, you know, it's funny. I had an episode with a therapist while I was on her show. And she said, the issue is parents, kids pay attention to their parents. And if your parents are always complaining or, you know, talking about how hard life is, why would I think what I'm going through is important? If you're talking about you losing jobs and all this and I'm telling you I don't, I'm feeling depressed, how, I don't see as a kid, of course. So how is that, you know, and they was like, well, you know, we were open. And I'm like, you saying that, but were you? You know what I mean? And so I think the issue is with parents and, and whoever has kids, you know, don't be running around, you know, keep adult business, adult business. Don't be, you know, talking about how you ain't got no money or you can't do this. Or, oh, I wish, I, you know, because then it's like, well, 
what you saying matters more than what I'm saying. So, you know, and I'm going to just keep it to myself. So that that's my take on that. No, that's that's. Bro, that was that's insightful because. I mean, you don't touched on stuff that I probably ain't ever even, I guess the only person I've ever really talked to about that sort of stuff is my wife. But yeah, I had them feelings. I'd have, I used to say to her that there, there were times when I was in my early 20s, I'd be in my car and I'd be like, I could just drive the car into a tree. Or I'd be, I'd be like, oh, I could just drive and just keep driving and not come back i wonder if i if i was gone would anyone miss me Mm -hmm. those were the sorts of things that i kept saying now to me i didn't think they were i I didn't i don't think i ever wanted to allow myself to believe they were suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. but when you process again when you process those things you realize what they were and it's it's crazy because in our community, in the black community, that there's a stigma to to mental health. As a black man, you're not supposed to have mental health issues. Oh, that's that, that's not black people thing. That's that's white people stuff. No, it's everybody's stuff. Every right. everybody has this stuff is heavy. This stuff right. is, is hard to deal with. Life is hard. Right. So yeah, that that that's. That's, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said the stuff that you said. It, it, you know, I think a lot of people need to hear that stuff. Izzy, Izzy, we we kind of hitting time, but bro, we got to do a part two to this because I think there's so much stuff we haven't even touched on. Izzy is on Clubhouse as well, so as people know, I'm on Clubhouse. You can follow me on Clubhouse, but follow Izzy on Clubhouse. Izzy, you want to give people your social media details and your podcast details so they can hook up with you and start listening? Uh, Definitely. So, podcast, again, drops March 18th on our streaming platform. I'm not a full visual podcast, but I will have a visual, more visuals this season, and the first episode will be a visual. All right? I'm going to go ahead and just drop the title. The title of it is How Podcasting Has Become the New Rap Game. So you have to tune in to that, how I break that down, but, and how it relates to mental health, because I got dragged for somebody trying to say I didn't, but whatever. But anyway, so Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, YouTube, yeah, underscore Easy Bake Oven. That's the personal page, the podcast page for Facebook. They have a Facebook page. Instagram is Prodigy Sport of Attestations, a long name. He'll put it down. You can spell it. He'll spell it. And then Twitter is Prodigy Sportive. And then, yeah, that's it. Cool, cool. So, me and Izzy and Dr. Johnson from my other podcast, we talked about potentially doing stuff on Clubhouse and trying to get together and, and bring, especially that we're all, since we're all Christians as well, there were so many angles. People don't realize that we as Christians are not boring, square people. We are people that are about this life we 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 like a good time just because we love jesus don't mean that we don't like to live life and have a good time too so we're trying to do a lot more stuff together we're hoping to do some stuff in clubhouse we will keep you posted on those things keep your eye on izzy's instagram keep your eye on my instagram and we will definitely throw the information up when those things start you know popping off and being arranged 
Izzy, I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this show. And we will catch you on next week's episode of the Daily Perspective. I almost thought I was on the other podcast. This is what happens when you got more than one show. Right. <laughs> but yeah, we will catch you on another episode of the Daily Perspective. Be good to each other and uh, peace. We'll catch you soon. All right, peace. Thank you.